Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, how about if we look at Luke chapter 1? We're going to do a study before the study. Luke chapter 1. And um, what's happened this past week ties in perfectly with the study this morning in 2 Corinthians. But we're going to do a study before the study. And we do this every now and then. Not every week, but we do this every now and then. You see, the FSB, the Federal Security Service of the Russian Federation, is equivalent to the FBI. And I think it's fair to say that the Clintons are familiar with that system. The MSS, the Ministry of State Security of China, is the equivalent of the FBI. And I think it's fair to say that the Bidens are familiar with that system. The DI, Intelligence Directorate of, the, of Cuba, is equivalent to the FBI. And I think it's fair to say that Sanders and the other squad members are familiar with that system. You see, the FBI, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, had an interesting week, and we'll see how it could impact all of our lives, all of our lives. You see, if they can do that, if they can do what they did to an ex-president who has lots of money, plenty of attorneys, and security, who can stop them from doing whatever they want to do? These developments tie in, as I've already mentioned, with the study this morning. You see, corruption in our politicians, both sides, any group, whatever group you want to follow after, I follow after Jesus, is only increasing, unfortunately, as God is allowing our spiritual enemy to up his game, so to speak. You see, Jesus is coming back right on time in these last days, and it's only going to get darker, according to what Jesus said. It's only going to get darker with evil abounding in places that were thought to be safe havens. Uh, They were put there to protect us. But let's remember, nothing is sacred to our spiritual enemy. Every institution is considered advantageous to the spiritual forces at work. So what's our consistent answer to this time we're living in? Fear? Panic? Anxiety? Worry? No. In today's reading, um, if you happen to do the the reading that we have on little cards, you can do that. Pick it up. They're free. They're in the agape boxes. Uh, We actually read Luke chapter 1. And this has to do with John the Baptist, the birth of John the Baptist. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit. It's been nine months since Zacharias has been able to talk. An angel appeared to Zacharias when he was doing ministry in the holy place and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Notice that, guys, we are blessed. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you are blessed. No matter what happens in this country or the world, you are blessed because we know where we're going. We're going to heaven when it's all said and done. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. 
and has raised up a horn of salvation, and horn is typically symbolic of strength, strength, in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, so here Zacharias is referencing the Old Testament. New Testament was not even close being written yet. 35 plus years away. But here Zacharias is referencing the Old Testament. Who, has, who have been since the world began. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Now unfortunately Zacharias being a Jew was focused on the Gentiles and those who had come against Judaism as were the disciples. They didn't have a clue that Jesus was coming to save the whole world from sin. Not from powers that be on this earth but from themselves, from sin. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. And as a believer, you have been delivered from the hand of the enemy, that spiritual enemy of ours that we've discussed, Lucifer, the devil, Satan. We've been delivered. Now, we can allow ourselves to be taken captive by him, but all we've got to do is say Jesus and we can be delivered. But we have free will, so we can do things we shouldn't do, which can then captivate us. But Satan cannot overwhelm us, ever. It's our free will that, that we give into. Verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, now Zacharias turns to his son, John, which is a miracle as you read the whole story. Read the story. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, the prophet of the Messiah, the one who is coming in the spirit of Elijah, that Jesus confirmed in the ministry to his disciples. John was the one spoken of in the Old Testament. He fulfilled his calling. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to acknowledge to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Again, not just Jew, but Jew or Gentile. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, your sins have been forgiven at the cross. You have been forgiven, but you need to appropriate that forgiveness. You need to ask for that forgiveness. You need to say, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I desire Jesus to be my Savior then you will be forgiven for all of eternity. If not, if you do not do that, and you say, no, I'm just going to be religious. I'm not that bad a person. I'll get to heaven still. No, you will not. Jesus makes that perfectly clear. And you will stand in judgment for your deeds and for your sins, and you will not pass. You will be found guilty. So just ask Jesus to be your Savior. Verse 78, through the tender mercy of our God, which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give, very important, this ties in with the study, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death. That's not just physical death, guys. This is spiritual death. Because we're all going to die. We're all living in the shadow of death right now. No one knows. You don't know when you're going to die. You could die this afternoon. You could die 10 years from now. You don't know. So we're all living in the shadow of death. But once you receive Jesus as your Savior, you have no fear over death anymore. You're like, bring it on. I'm, I'm going to get to go home. 
I got no problem with that. I'm excited about it. You should be too. Because why? We've been forgiven because what? The light. The light. We'll talk more about that in our study. To give light to those who sit in darkness. That's why the scriptures tell us and why I say on a regular basis, and we've been a church for 20 years, pray. The Bible teaches us to pray for those who are in authority. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their souls. It doesn't matter what party they belong to. Pray for their souls. Know the truth. See what's taking place. And pray for their souls. Because their power is very short-lived. Very short-lived. Light to those who sit in darkness and shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Into the way of peace. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians, get into our study, and we'll pick up more about this. Because this is what the world desires, most people in the world, not everybody. But most people desire peace. And the only way that we can have peace is to know Jesus as our Savior. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll pick it up in verse 1. We covered verses 1 through 6, but we're going to go back to 6. And pick up some more verses this morning. If you're new or visiting, we go through the Bible verse by verse. 2 Corinthians 4.1 Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Again, in these days we're living in, it's easy to lose heart. And we've got to remember, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're here to serve Jesus. We're here to plant, water, fertilize. And if, it's, if, it's, if God allows us to pray with somebody to receive Jesus. That is our ultimate goal. Yes, we need to register, you need to vote, petitions, all that other stuff. But that's not our ultimate goal. Our ultimate goal is to be witnesses for Christ, ambassadors for Jesus Christ. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commanded, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And remember, we talked about this in, verse, in chapters 3 and now in chapter 4 a little bit here, that Paul is dealing with those who want to go back to the law, even believers, they want to go back to the law versus living under grace knowing that grace will transform our hearts where we won't become legalistic and we won't worry about the law because we're fulfilling the law supernaturally. Verse 3, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That's eternal separation from God. From those who are following after the devil, as Jesus said, there is a God of this world, little g, and we can choose to follow after that God or we can follow after the big G. God. Because there is only one God. Whose minds the God of this world has blinded. And that should, I think, give us some relief. Because it's just kind of like, can't people see this? I mean, this is so obvious what's going on. Can't people? No, they can't. If they don't know Jesus as their Savior, if they're not in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, they can't. They don't have a clue. Guys, if, you don't, if, if people don't know Jesus, if they're not going to heaven, this earth and everything about this earth is the closest they're ever going to get to heaven. Let that sink in. Why do you think people are struggling so hard to have it the best they can possibly have it? Because this is it. When you die, party's over. It's hell or heaven. And on the flip side, for us to not lose heart, we have to remember no matter how bad it gets, 
This is the closest to hell we're ever going to be. That should give us great joy and comfort. So make sure you know whether you're going to heaven or hell. It's only through Jesus Christ. Who is the image of God should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. Religion will always preach itself. Oh, yes, it's Jesus plus being a member of our church. Oh, yes, it's Jesus plus you have to be water baptized into our church. Oh, you have to knock on doors. Oh, you have to pass out pamphlets. Oh, this, oh, that, blah, 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 blah. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. So Paul is saying, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Christ's sake. For it is the God who commanded light, light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Again, notice that calling that you and I have. Not the light of a certain party or a certain individual of that party but to take people back to Jesus. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels, speaking of this physical body, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You know, if you're new or if you're visiting or if you hang around here long enough, we need to respect one another. We need to respect one another. But we don't elevate each other. Because if you stick around here long enough, I will disappoint you. I can guarantee you that. I, will, I am only a human being. I will disappoint you. And you will disappoint me. Because we place expectations on people that we should not do. So don't place expectations on Don't lift people up. Just stay in the word. Take care of your own walk to the best of your ability through the power of the Holy Spirit. And allow the power of God to keep you on the straight and narrow. That's my only answer. I can't do it in and of myself. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need more of the Word. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. This, this, also, this, could, be in the, this could be on the internet in the news today. Is this country hard-pressed? Is this country perplexed, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh or in our bodies. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sake, sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Father, we thank you 
again for the morning. We thank you for the freedoms we still enjoy. We do not know how long they're going to last. We've seen what's taking place the last two and a half years, trying to shut the church down, trying to distance people, trying to cause hatred amongst various races. Father, we thank you and praise you that as believers, we don't allow that. There's one race, the human race. And we can never allow it to come into the church, trying to divide the church into different cultures or ethnic backgrounds. It's nonsense. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Father, we pray for our country, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would use them around our leaders, that you would embolden them to speak the word of God, to pray out loud, to not be ashamed, but to go forth in tremendous boldness in these last days, that to water, to plant, to fertilize. And Lord, if it's possible, anything's possible with you, that someone would pray for our leaders to receive Jesus as their Savior. Your word says that you take no delight in the destruction of the wicked, nor do we. For eternity is forever. And we don't want to see anyone go to hell. So Lord, use our brothers and sisters. We pray for our missionaries. We thank you for a faithful flock, all the funds that this flock gives so that we as a flock can support so many missionaries. Father, we lift them up to you this morning, encourage them, strengthen them. There is much persecution going on in distant lands. We thank you and praise you. We just ask you, fill them right now afresh with your Holy Spirit. Those who are being held captive for the sake of the gospel, give them supernatural power right now, Father, to speak out, to sing praises as we saw Paul and Silas do, that they would just be so excited about heaven that those who are holding them captive would come to know Jesus as their Savior. Use them this morning, Father. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in verse 6, for it, was, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts, think about this, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You see, it was God who sent the Holy Spirit to illuminate this earth at creation. And we're taught in Genesis chapter 1 that this world was encapsulated in total darkness. And it's hard for us to comprehend that. It's hard for us to imagine since we have a certain amount of light each and every day. It's amazing, the LEDs. Uh, Our our grandson has a a, a little keyboard and it has a green LED, just one stinking little green LED. And it illuminates the whole (laughs) living room there. It's just like I go over and plug it, the thing is so bright. So it's hard for us to imagine. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those caverns. And have you ever been in one of those caverns that are sealed? How many of you have ever been in one of those caverns that are sealed? Raise your hand up. If you have not, I encourage you to go. Go out of your way to go take a tour of those caverns. Because we did this when our children were little. They were three, five, seven, and ten. And we went into the cavern, and, and we were the only one that had kids. It was during the school year. We homeschooled, so we did a lot of things that other people couldn't do. And we were in this cavern. They said, okay, we're going to turn off the lights. And they said, if any of you have children, well, <laughs> the one said children, grab their hands. Okay. And we're in the middle of this fairly large area. They said, grab your hands. Don't let go of them. We're going to turn the lights off for about ten seconds. We're in this cavern. 
they turned the lights off and you could feel, you could feel the darkness start to press upon you. It, it was the weirdest feeling I have ever felt. You could not see, you could wave your hand in front of you, you could not see your hand. Pitch black darkness. It's hard for us to comprehend that. And this reference to total darkness prior to creation is a physical analogy of the spiritual principle that Paul is driving home here. You see in John 3.19, and this is the condemnation. This is for you and me before we were believers. That the light has come into the world. Not the sun, the light. And as you study the Bible, you know the light is in reference to Jesus that the light has come into the world and men or mankind, male and females, that men, men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Let's look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9. So this gives us an idea of what Paul is saying here. For it is the God, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness I believe Paul was going back to the creation in Genesis. Who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. John chapter 9, 35, if you're new or visiting, the team does a great job with slides. Please have a paper Bible. Encourage you to have one. If you need your electronic version for font, I totally get it. But I encourage you to get used to your paper Bible. When you go to prison for knowing Jesus as your Savior, they're not going to give you your phone. But they will give you a paper Bible. You might want to have that. John 9 says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. This is one of my favorite stories uh, in the Gospels. When we go to Israel, we're going to Israel in March. By the way, if you'd like to go, we have a few people that backed out, so we have room now for four more people. If you'd like to join us, I think forty. I think 44 of us from this church are going in March, so if you'd like to go, you can join us. John heard that they had cast him out. This is the man that Jesus healed. He was blind. He sent him to the pool of Siloam. We'll actually go to the pool of Siloam. And when he had found him, Jesus said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? Isn't that an interesting question? Jesus didn't ask him, Do you believe in Judaism? Do you want to be a good Jew? Do you want to fulfill all 613, I think 613 commandments? Is that what you'd really like to do? No, no, no. He says, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in the Messiah? And that's the same question we need to ask people today and not argue about so many other things that are of no eternal value. He answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Isn't that wonderful? And sometimes we're afraid, and, and as we go out to dinner, which... We're probably going to stop because it's just getting crazy out there. But uh, we always ask our waiter or waitress if they like prayer, always. And we've had very few people ever say no. Most of them are kind of like, uh, and we go, that's okay. You know, think about it. Let us know. But we want to pray with you for the next week. And this past week we did that, and the girl just lit up like a Christmas tree. And she found out she was born again. But she says, thank you so much for asking me that because I have this, this, and this that I would like prayer for. And I go to this church, and we go, you know, not this church, but they go to a church and praise God. Stay focused. Stay focused. We will pray for you. 
Guys, it's an opportunity to ask somebody, do you believe in Jesus? And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Now, some people will say that Jesus, they'll knock on your door, the Mormon or the Jehovah Witness, and they'll knock on your door and they'll say, well, you know, Jesus never said he was God, and the Bible never says that Jesus is God. So you want to know some basic scriptures and say, you're lying. You're a politician. You're lying. Because here's another verse that Jesus says, you have both seen him. Are you looking for the Messiah? I'm looking for the Messiah. This is what the blind man is saying, who's not blind anymore. I'm looking for the Messiah. Jesus says, you have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Jesus just declared, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. So don't let anybody trash talk you. Know your Bible. Know your Bible. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And I encourage you this week to read John chapter 9 and see the progression of this man's faith in a 12-hour period. Less than 12 hours. He went from, yeah, this man put mud in my eye. Been born blind. He put mud in my eye. Nice guy, right? And then he told me to go to the pool of Siloam. I'm blind. Hello. And you just rub mud in my eye and you want me to walk to the pool of Siloam? Nice guy. He went from a man to what is he doing right now? He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. That's not there for filler. He worshipped him. Jesus, the Jews, angels would never allow anyone to worship them they said worship god worship god alone angels always say don't do that john get up here what are you doing don't do that worship god alone and jesus said for judgment i have come into this world that those who do not see may see now don't now i know we're talking about a blind man but now lift your eyes to the spiritual world because that's what jesus is doing He's not talking about blind. Can a blind person get saved? Absolutely. So it's not, now he's going to the spiritual level. And that those who do not see may see, and that those who may see may be made blind. Well, how do I know that? Well, just keep reading your Bible. It interprets it for you. Then some of the Pharisees, oh, the religious elite, those who thought they were getting to heaven because they punched the clock. Then some of the Pharisees who were with Jesus heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? So notice, it's not about physical blindness. It's about spiritual blindness. They got it. They understood it. And so they asked Jesus a simple question. Are we blind? Are we blind? Spiritual, not physical. Then Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see Therefore, your sin remains. We're religious. We're going to heaven. We go to this church or that church, and they tell us if we do so much that we're going to go to heaven. They're blind. But they say that they see, and they try to convince you that they see. Where we actually see, we know what heaven is. We know where Jesus is. So we have the glorious opportunity to take them to the gospel. You see, before we had the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, to talk this, to wrap this together, verse 6, before we had the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, there's no spiritual light within you. 
There was no spiritual light within me. I was going to church every Sunday. I was punching the clock. I was living like the devil, but I thought I was doing okay. I wasn't as bad as that guy over there. But we were in absolute spiritual darkness. The gospel was being waved in front of my eyes, and I could care less. Until that moment in time where the Holy Spirit, I surrendered my will, and the Holy Spirit finally entered me, and I went, whoa, I was going to hell, but now I'm going to heaven at 17 years old. Guys, before the Holy Spirit dwelled within us, we were all in spiritual darkness. Wave your hand in front of you. Can't see the obvious. So we shouldn't be surprised with what's going on in our world. It's so obvious. But upon salvation, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, will then start to illuminate the mind about the things of God. If you're here today and you don't understand the Bible and you're wondering why, if you don't have the Holy Spirit within you, you're not going to understand the things of God. One of these things is that Jesus came in the image of the Heavenly Father in John 14, 8 and 9. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father. And now he's been with Jesus for three plus years. And it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? I like how Jesus just asks questions, allows the person to think. He who has seen, that those four words there mean to discern clearly, to experience. To discern, so it's not just, oh yeah, I've seen you, i see seen you on the block, or oh, I saw you over there. No, no, no. To discern clearly, I've been around you, Jesus, and you are the Messiah. I don't get it, but you are. To experience. He has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us Show us the Father. You see, the disciples, think about this. The disciples looked into the eyes of the Messiah. They heard the voice of the Messiah. They laughed. I believe Jesus laughed. Maybe I'm wrong. I believe Jesus laughed. They laughed with the Messiah. They touched the Messiah. They so deeply desired to be with the Messiah, they left family, homes, businesses, to be with him for just a little over three years. So as we focus on the word, especially the gospels, we'll see the life of Jesus, who is a direct representative of the Heavenly Father. They're not twins, not direct representative. And our minds will become even more illuminated about our Heavenly Father as we read in Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus. Are you looking unto Jesus? Or are you looking unto the government? Another check's coming out in a state the state's going to cover and give everyone, I think it's $1,500 this month for something. Taxpayers' money, I don't know. Socialism. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, it's like a dimmer switch. The more we look into the word or invest into the life of Jesus, the more we see the glory of our Heavenly Father. And as we see the glory of a heavenly father, we start to take on his glory, which goes back to what we just studied a few weeks ago in 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Guys, this is the mirror. This is the mirror. Are you looking in the mirror every day? You should be, not out of legalism, not out of debt, not out of religious obligation. I think you all want to be more like Jesus. If I asked you individually, I think you'd all say yes. How do you get there every day? Looking in the mirror. How can I become more like Jesus? How can I glorify the Father? Are being transformed into the same image, the image of who? Jesus, the Father. 
from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord. Which I think helps us to comprehend the next verse in verse 7. But we have this treasure. What treasure? In earthen vessels, our physical bodies. That the excellence of the power, what power? To get saved may be of God and not of us. It's an incredible thought. God allows us to house the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, we read this, Or do you not know that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And we'll get that corrected. And thank you. Some of you last week came up and said, Hey, um, you know, the slide was wrong. I, I think I had 1 John 4, 2, and it was 1 John 4, 4. Thanks for doing that. Let us know. It's not a big deal. You're not, you know... Uh, so that should be 20, Jim, if you can correct that after the, second ser- or after the service. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Guys, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Whom you have from God and you are now, you're not your own anymore. You've been bought. You've been purchased. You're claimed. My body represented by a cheap earthly clay pot has the privilege of possessing God. You see, Christians do not need to polish themselves up through religious practices so that God will look at us and say, hey, look at that. Isn't that a beautiful pot? I want to use him. I want to bless him because in reality, we're all a bunch of crackpots. We're all just a bunch of crackpots. You see, Paul makes the point that the power of salvation is not within ourselves. It is given to us only through the power of God. Notice the word excellence there. Excellence in the middle of verse 7. This word means a throwing beyond others and probably comes through the athletic games. You see, there is always a winner in the shot put, the javelin, the discus. Someone always throws objects further than the rest of the competitors. So again, the definition means a throwing beyond others. But it also carries with it the idea of, here's the idea of, Far beyond what is humanly possible, it's beyond measuring. So the definition, a throwing beyond others, but it carries with the idea of far beyond what is humanly possible. Can you save yourself? Can you get to heaven by your own good works? No. No, no. It's far beyond me. It's beyond measuring. So again, salvation can only be granted by God through faith. As we look at verses 8 through 11, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. And as um, I I don't spend hours and hours, and I'm not into conspiracies, but I try to be a little educated um, right now in this transitional period that we're all going through. It's only transitory, don't worry. It's not going to last long. But most people are saying it's going to go through 23. Most of the real... Uh, economists that are truthful and not trying to sugarcoat this administration and that it's only going to get worse. Uh, Chicken prices, chicken prices are going to double because beef is going, is so expensive now and it's continuing to go up. People are going to stop buying beef, which means they're going to buy what? Chicken. Well, you can't breed enough chickens to get them to market. So that's going to drive the price up. Uh, we were at, at a, a little event yesterday, and one of the gals said, you know, she went and bought stuff at the store, and she came home with three bags of groceries, three small bags of groceries. She said, $75. I 
I'm looking at these three bags going, what did I get for $75? Guys, this is real, is it not? Is it not affecting all of us, no matter what party you belong to? <laughs> no, yes, gas is coming down. Aren't you guys excited? <laughs> I mean, it's just so great. I think it's down to 430. It's so exciting. And two and a half years ago, it was 225 in Arizona, in case you're coming from California. It was 225 two and a half years ago. So no, I'm not excited. That is 430, and we shouldn't be. But it's the bigger picture. God's got a plan. So as we continue to get hard-pressed, stay focused on the end game. We're going to heaven. For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always caring about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies." The ministry of this message of salvation through grace alone brought tremendous persecution into the life of Paul and in the first 300 years of the church. It's estimated, estimated that three to five million Christians were martyred for Christ in the first 300 years of the Christian church. Three to five million were martyred for Christ. So when people say, oh, I wish we could go back to the first century church. No, you don't. You really don't. Perplexed, it means to have no way out, to have no way out. Despair, to be utterly at a loss. And they sound the same, yet one can be looked at physically and the other spiritually. When we think we have no way out of a situation, that can become perplexing. But it can also lead to despair. Where's God when you need him? Where's God when you need him? He's in the same spot he's always been. He's on his throne in heaven because man's extremities, mankind's extremities, are always God's opportunities. Always. If we're willing to surrender our will to him. You think when, th- when things seem absolutely humanly hopeless, it is then that God comes through. But why does he often wait until then? Why does he wait? Because we often wait until then <laughs> before we ask him for help. How many times in your life or how many times have you heard somebody say, well, you know, I tried everything that I could try and then I prayed. Uh, You got to get that the other way around. You want to pray right up front and then allow the Holy Spirit to give you the strength to try whatever you need to try. But always get prayer up front. So important. Since we have a free will, we often give God little to no opportunity. And and my own life, possibly your life. We often give God little to no opportunity to prove himself prior to our exhaustion. We'll wait till we finally have expended ourselves and we're on our bed weeping or in the living room crying and we finally say, okay, God, I'll give you a chance. Like he needs a chance. You know, but even in those times when we do not ask right up front, God still might allow us to go, or when we do ask right up front, God still might allow us to go through the pressing process so that we might continually learn to what? Lean on him. Lean on him. 
You see, Paul carried in his body the marks of physical abuse at the hands of the enemy. At one time, matter of fact, when they were persecuting him, they stoned him to death, not with medicinal marijuana, with rocks. They literally stoned him to death. It's most likely, I believe, at that time that he probably had uh, got his eye ailment. But Paul clung to the example that Jesus gave, allowing his body to be tortured so that God might be glorified. It was the physical death of Jesus that was going to accomplish the resurrection. And maybe Paul is even remembering back to the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7 and 8. He wasn't the one being chased from town to town as a Pharisee. He was chasing other people. But once Paul came to understand grace, then the persecution started to come upon Paul, the gospel of grace. And it will come upon you as a Christian. It will come upon you, and it already has coming upon you. The gospel is now being preached by Paul, a Pharisee of Pharisees, so the enemy really started to turn the heat up. If the enemy could bring the same persecution into Paul's life that he brought into others, then maybe he'll quit. You know, maybe just, maybe Paul will quit. I'm just going to turn it up a little bit and maybe Paul will give up. And the, sa- the enemy's going to do the same thing to you and me. You know, I'm just going to turn it up a little bit and then maybe they'll stop reading their Bible. Maybe they'll stop going to church. Maybe they'll stop praying. Maybe they'll separate themselves. Maybe this, maybe that. The enemy will try anything, guys. Anything. Go to marriage enrichment. Enrich your marriage. He will try anything. There's actually childcare as well. But please phone to make sure we have enough adults watching the children. But notice this. This is just practicality. It obviously didn't work, but rather forged an even stronger determination within Paul. In 1 Corinthians 15, we read this. Find the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And right now, wherever you're at in your life, it's by the grace of God. It's by the grace of God. Don't think it's because of you. Now, you did your part. We have to do our part. But it's the grace of God. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. He outran all the other apostles, put thousands of miles. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. He didn't take any credit. He just kept pointing back to Jesus. Pointing back to Jesus. Am I ready for the enemy to turn up the heat in my life? I encourage you to get ready, as I have been encouraging for the last (laughs) two decades. And uh, it's crazy how bad it's gotten and how bad it's going to get. Verse 12, so then death is working in us, but life in you. You see, there was a tremendous persecution from the preaching of the gospel of grace, which brought about the opportunity for death of those who shared the gospel. As I already shared with you, three to five million people first 300 years. Paul lived with and lived through that concept for years. But I think that Paul looked at it from this perspective. When I preach, there might be a threat of physical death. But more importantly, there is an opportunity for salvation and spiritual growth in others. And guys, that's the stand that we need to get used to right now. It might mean physical death. What are they going to do with 87,000 IRS agents? That, in their own documentation, should carry guns and use them if they need to. Huh. I, didn't, I thought they wanted to do away with guns. Huh. 
and it passed, and Biden's going to sign it this week. And I heard somebody say, a man, that right now there's 1,000 in America, there's 1,000, roughly 1,000 billionaires in America. That's a lot of money. What are they going to do with the other 75,000, or no, what did I say? How many, how many is it? 87? Correct me. 87,000? So what are they going to do with the other 86,000 IRS agents? Because it only takes one for one billionaire, right? Theoretically. They're coming for you and me to squeeze every penny. Going to make copper wire out of a coin. Penny. So it's okay. They can have it. I'm going to heaven. What good is it going to do to them? Nothing at all. We see their agenda. We see that it's not fixing anything. It's causing more problems. You see, when I preach, there might be a threat again of physical death. I want to read it one more time. But more importantly, there's an opportunity for salvation and spiritual growth for others. That's you and me. We're ambassadors for Christ. Verses 13 and 14. And since we have the same spirit of faith, the Holy Spirit dwells in me, dwells in you. According to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Let's look at, uh, no, we're not going to have time. Okay, we're going to come back to this verse next week because the psalm that I'd like to read is a really important psalm. So we'll come back to this next week. But I think on that note, as the music team comes up, we can be greatly encouraged to know that as things continue to go down, we're going to go up. As things continue to get darker, even in that cavern, as soon as the gentleman, the, the guide, flipped on his flashlight, we could then, boom, see. And then they flipped the switch to turn on all the other lights. Guys, you are the light. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Jesus is the light of the world. But we, he says, are also the light of the world. We don't become gods, none of that nonsense. Don't even go down that road. But we are representatives of who? Jesus was a representative of the Father. We represent the Father. Not like Jesus, again, not like Jesus, different. But we are still representatives. We're ambassadors for Christ. This week, don't be an ambassador for a party. Don't be an ambassador for a conspiracy theory. Be an ambassador for the word of God. Because Jesus is coming back. And that's not a conspiracy. That's going to take, and it's, not just, and it's not a theory. That is going to happen. Jesus is coming back right on time. And maybe one of you will go home this week. Wouldn't that be a blessing? Amen. Be fine with me. Have a great time. But maybe one of you will. And you know what we'll do? We'll rejoice. Yes, we'll mourn with those who are left behind. Because we should. We should mourn, each, mourn with each mourn. Um, with others and comfort them and strengthen them. But at the same time, we're going to celebrate. You're in heaven. You got your brand new body. Doesn't get any better than that, guys. So let's preach the gospel to the best of our abilities through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for Paul's openness that even this great man of God would not touch your glory. He, he didn't take credit. He didn't try to get people to look at him. But he did use the gifts that you gave him. And he knew how to point others to you, even through those gifts. So, Father, we all have a spiritual gift. Your word says that. Help us to learn what that gift is and to start using that gift for your glory. 
to be a member of the body of Christ, whatever that looks like, and to also use that spiritual gift throughout the week to plant, to water, to fertilize. And Lord, I know every single one of us would love to pray with somebody this week to receive Jesus as their Savior. So Father, that's our prayer. Help us to be available. Help us to be ready. Help us to be open to maybe pray with someone who is broken as the food pantries are running out of food, as the farmers are saying there's no way that they can keep up with the demand with the rules and regulations that the government's placing upon them. The cost of fertilizer, the cost of, of planting and harvesting, driving it to, to the stores. We're in desperate days. We're not in tribulation, but it's falling into place. The conditioning is taking place. So help us, Lord, to be ready to pray with somebody this week for your glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit Calvary Queen Creek. Dot org.